Anxiety, I think all of us have felt a little bit and maybe a lot of that this week. Well, this week at Jacob's Well, we are going to be talking about it. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about it, and we're going to find a pathway to greater peace as we all keep walking together in this new reality, being the church in different places, but with one heart. Let's take a look. Hey, church, let's begin with a prayer. If you know this prayer, pray along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You know, there are a couple things that jump out at me about this prayer right away. The first big one is that when we pray, we talk to God who is our Father. And I really want you to know this week, church, that God is our Father. He is with us. He is shepherding us. And we can look to Him during this time where things are just kind of crazy. The other thing is that this prayer is an ancient prayer. It's been prayed for hundreds of years from the earliest times that the people of God have gathered together to pray. And there will literally be Tens of millions of people praying this all over the place. Indeed, we as the church, Jacob's Well, are scattered throughout the valley, praying in different locations, but with one heart. And God has got us scattered, but we are still united as the people of God. The other thing that strikes me about the prayer is just how fundamental it is. It's about, you know, our daily bread. It's about what we need. It's about what's right in front of us. And we are living in a time where it really would be very helpful for us not to think too far in the future, not certainly to be focused on things in the past, but to be just kind of living one day at a time today. That's kind of where the world is. The whole world is united in this time, and there's something beautiful about that, even in the midst of a very uncertain time. Now, again, I am amazed where we are at in this study of the Gospel of Luke. It's remarkable to me that the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today is the passage of Scripture that that, um, is just, just right where we are at Luke because it could not be better. It's as though God knew it was coming and he has been preparing his church and he's up to some pretty cool things even in the midst of all that things, all the things that are going on. I am speaking to a room that is mostly empty, but my heart is filled because all week long I've been imagining the people of God in their living rooms. I've been imagining them, you know, driving in cars. I've been praying for you. And and I can just imagine God uniting our hearts even as we hear this together. So the passage of scripture we are going to be talking about is about anxiety, is about this thing of fear. Let's take a look at the passage we find ourselves in this weekend. It's a passage, let me just go back. Here it is. It's a passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now let me just stop right there for a minute, church, and just let you know what this verse is saying and what it's not saying. Now, this verse is not saying that there's nothing in the world that's scary, that's frightening, that's uncertain, that there actually aren't some very real things that we should be 
afraid of in this life. What this verse is actually saying, and it's, it's in the, the verb tense of, 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 of the Greek language, which you don't care about, but just trust me, you can look it up if you want. But what this verb is not saying is that, that, that it's, it, it's not okay to feel fear, to be unsettled, to, to feel yourself kind of feeling some anxiousness. What it literally is saying is that we don't have to live in a constant state of anxiety. We don't have to be people who are owned by it, controlled by it, um, either freezing or fighting or flighting. But instead, when fear comes to us, and it will come to us, when anxiety comes to us, we need to be people who are willing to acknowledge it, admit it, confess it to God, to ourselves, to other people. I had many people call me this week and say, you know, I'm just a little afraid, or I'm a lot afraid. That is good, that is right, and that is healthy. So I just wanted to say that because I've seen a lot of things, like particularly on social media, that says, hey, we're going to have fear instead of, we're going to have faith instead of fear, and, and Christians shouldn't fear during this time. And I get what those people are trying to say, but I also just want to give you permission to be feeling some anxiety. I want to give you some permission to be feeling unsettled. And and the best way to deal with that is not to, you know, um, deny it, but instead acknowledge it and then take a look at how Jesus says about it. So what Jesus is literally saying to his disciples here, he says, I tell you, you don't have to live in a constant state of anxiousness because of what's going on in your life. That you can actually live with peace, an ever-growing sense of peace as you learn just some of the things that Jesus is going to show us in this scripture. He says, he says what you, don't worry about what you're going to eat because a lot of us have been going to the grocery store and hoarding stuff and, and we shouldn't be doing that. Know your body and whether or not it's going to be healthy or unhealthy or those kinds of things or, or what you will put on. Uh, that is to say you'll be wearing masks or so wouldn't be wearing masks or all kinds of things like that. Now again, it's okay to be thinking about these things. It's okay to be taking precautions. But, but what he's not saying here is that, what he's saying here is don't let your life be defined by that anxiety. It, it, it's just super important. You know, one of the things I, I also want to say about this thing of anxiety is that it is not having faith to ignore the recommendations and actually the mandates that our government and our leaders are are sharing with us uh, about staying home and about taking precautions and washing hands. Again, I've seen and heard some folks saying things like, well, we're Christians, shouldn't be afraid, and we can go boldly, and all these kinds of things like that. Ignoring those things is as foolish as ignoring taking care of your physical body or driving the speed limit. There are just certain things that we do, and doing those things is not a, a... reaction out of fear, it's actually a reasonable step that we're supposed to take, and it's a healthy thing. And so, so, so this verse is not saying that a person of faith doesn't have any fear, doesn't feel anxious at all, and, and don't pour a bunch of shame on yourself that if I were a better Christian or if I whatever, then I wouldn't feel afraid. Listen, we're all feeling afraid. We're all feeling anxiety. Even Jesus felt anxiety on the night before he died. He displayed profound anxiety. And so let's give ourselves permission and all of us just to feel what we're feeling. It's just an honest thing. But he says you don't have to live in a constant state of anxiety. What he wants us to know is that there's more to life than just 
the physical nature about it. And that's some of the opportunity, right, that's coming in this season of uncertainty. It's an opportunity to realize that, that there are things that are, are, are really important that matter that, that maybe we have been putting on the back burner. Our, our spiritual life, our relational life, our family life, and, and a lot of the things that have been put on our front burner, like our materialism and our busyness and our go, 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 those things have been radically changed. And so we find ourselves in, in a situation where, where we're recognizing Jesus' words so true. He says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, consider the birds of the air, the ravens. They neither sow nor they reap. They have neither storehouses nor barns. And yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more valuable are you than the birds? One of the opportunities that comes out of here is for us to quit trusting in our ability to provide for ourselves. We've actually been talking about that all year long and as part of the study in the Gospel of Luke. It was one of the temptations of Jesus, remember, to provide bread out of stone for himself. And, and so what we see is this passage, again, just reinforces that point we've been seeing all through Luke, that, that it's not about having big enough barns and big enough protections and providing for ourselves. Our source of provision, our source of comfort is and always has been God. And so this brings us back to that part. When we come to recognize this last part, which is so cool, that, that we are much more valuable than we could ever imagine. If we understand how much God loves us, how much he delights in us, how much pleasure he takes in us, we would be absolutely blown away. Now he goes on and he says, not only is there more to life, he gives us some practical advice. He says, don't obsess about the unknown. Instead, focus on the Father. Another way of saying this principle is don't try to control things you can't control. Instead, focus on the things you can control. Those things that you can do for yourself, the, the good patterns, the good habits, the, the healthy procedures that our governor has given to us, as well as taking care of ourselves physically, taking time to get some exercise, staying positive, staying engaged with our family in a healthy way. All of those are things we have choices about, we can do, we can stay uh, uh, engaged in. Look what he says. He says, by which of you by being anxious, that is to say, living in a constant state of anxiety, planning, thinking, getting the wheels turning, just, just the, the person says, I just got to do something. One of the biggest challenge for those of us who are doing people is there are going to be some days where there's really not much we can do. We can't fix this. We can't make it go any faster. And so rather than being in that state of anxiety, he says, which one of you can add a single hour to the span of your life? He says, you can't control. You can't control how long your life is, how short your life is. Instead, he says, he says, we should do something else. He says, if then you are not, you are not able as, uh, to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And so when we recognize that we really can't control most of the situation, and the truth is we've never been in control, it brings us back to, oh my gosh, I'm out of control, but I don't have to be because God's in control. So when we come back to these most fundamental truths, there's a profound centering comfort of this. It's amazing to me that this is where we find ourselves at this point in the gospel of Luke. He goes on to say, he says, consider the flowers of the fields or the lilies, how they grow and they don't spin nor um, do they spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory are not arrayed like one of these. He says, consider the flowers of the field. He says, they don't have a plan. 
They don't work it out, but God works it out. And, and he does some of those beautiful things in the midst of spring. He can make beautiful things out of situations that seem out of control and chaotic. And, and God is doing a lot of really beautiful things. I'm going to tell you about a couple of them here in just a minute. By the way, can I just give you these encouraging words? Spring is coming. The days are getting longer. It's getting warmer. Let me give you a couple other encouraging spring-like thoughts. The smartest people in the world are all working on this. Do you realize that? All the governments of the world are coming together to unite to figure out solutions for this. Let me just give you another word of encouragement. This should blow you away, church. It should be a great source of comfort. There are tens of millions and even hundreds of millions of people who are praying many, many of which were not praying a week ago. And God hears our prayers, and he works powerfully through our prayers, and we should expect him to do some cool things and some beautiful things if we'll just see them and we'll be blessed by them. So he says, listen, God makes the flowers grow. God's still in control. He's got a plan. Now, I'm not saying there's not hard things. There's not scary things. There's not anxious things. And when you feel that, acknowledge that, and then bring them to God and, and, and begin to refocus on God. And so he says, don't obsess on what you what is unknown, focus on the Father. Look what he says. He says, but if God so closes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And so <clears throat> what he's basically saying is here, listen, if, 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 if you're in the midst of uncertainty and you know how things are going to work out, you can focus on anxious, this could happen, and what if this, and what I don't have nothing to tell this, or you can focus on the Father, who has been God for a long time. He's really qualified. He's great at the job. And you can say, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I can't wait to see how you're going to bring blessing out of this. I can't wait to see how you're going to bring hope out of this. I can't wait to see how you do something absolutely beautiful out of this, because that's just the way you are. He goes on and says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor to be worried. So he's not saying be irresponsible and just live and let live, but he's saying don't obsess about it. Don't make it in, don't live in such a way as though it is all up to you. Because what ends up happening when we live in that perpetual state of anxiety, make ourselves sick, we have other people, we start taking shortcuts in terms of our morality, it's just not a healthy thing. And so when we come back and we realize, okay, God, you got this, it changes absolutely everything. He goes on. For all, for all the nations of the world, seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. So he says, the whole world thinks it's up to them, and they're chasing their own solutions, and they're going after it. He says, but your Father knows you need them. And he knows what you need better than you need yourself. So what are we supposed to do? He says, instead, seek the kingdom. So we're supposed to seek the kingdom and these other things will be added. And so because there's more to this life, because life is more about just the, the physical needs of today and the temporary, we start recognizing there's some kingdom stuff going on that is more profound than we could ever, ever imagine. You know, one of the things that's been kind of cool um, for me is that... Um, um, I've been, I've been doing uh, some looking back at other times when the church of Jesus Christ has faced 
great times of difficulty. And, and one of the things that, that I knew, but that has been deeply reminded me, I was deeply reminded of this week, is that the church of Jesus Christ historically has been at her best during times of crisis. So, so one source I found talked about um, epidemics when they came early to uh, the, the, the Christian world. So this is back in, in the first, second, and third century um, when epidemics were a really scary deal because there weren't antibiotics, there really weren't hospitals, and, and the plan, the, the, the strategy tended to be when someone got sick, you just abandoned them. You ran in other directions. Society fell apart. It just wasn't a good thing. But, but, but what changed, what was profound, is that some of the early epidemics, the people who were most profoundly involved in helping were Christians. So, for instance, um, uh, historian, there's one person, uh, historian by the name of Stark who, who says this, historians speak of three major plagues during early centuries of Christianity, and they estimated that each reduced the empire's population by a quarter to a third. So these were big cataclysmic epidemics. He said, while the population plummeted, however, the church grew. Now, do you hear what it just said? While the population plummeted, the church of Jesus Christ grew. There's a sociologist by the name of Rodney Stark who argues in his book, The Rise of Christianity, that the epidemic was a testing ground for the church and Christian principles and, and whether or not the virtues of Christ would be lived out. Now, in the first century, in AD 165, there was a, a plague and there was a secular pagan physician named Galen who was marked to have praised the Christians because they fearlessly cared for each other and for others. In the second century, there was another epidemic in AD 250 where the African bishop Cyprian exhorted his congregation to mobilize for the task of healing. He urged them to give care not only to their fellow believers, but also to their pagan persecutors. There was nothing remarkable, he said, there's nothing remarkable in cherishing merely our own people, he said. We should love our enemies as well. The good should be done to all, not merely to the household of faith. Then the Egyptian bishop, St. Dionysus the Great, described in detail the relief effort ex um, extended to the church to everyone, even to those who um, were, were persecuting them. It was during a time where to practice the Christian faith in his area was punishable by death, but Christians were willing to risk their life uh, in spite of um, that order to help those who were sick, not just in the church, but also throughout um, the entire community to anyone who needed. A lot of people don't know this, but the idea of a hospital was actually started by Christians. So it's truly the case that during times of plague, when everybody was running out of the city, Christians were going in the city and they were caring for people in that most profound way. Uh, this week I heard from a friend who had shared with uh, me um, um, uh, 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 an email conversation uh, that she had gotten about a conversation she had with her daughter. And I just want to read what this friend said. This, this woman said, I had a very interesting conversation with my 15-year-old yesterday. She said, you know, Mom, God has allowed us to be at the point in this country where so many of our gods, lowercase g, are being taken away. Sports, art, entertainment, education, money, travel, church, and traditions. 
I'm thinking maybe he wants to get our eyes on him and be like the early church in small groups, learning and growing in him. We were blaming big government for the chaos and confusion. Have we ever stopped to think that God in his wonderful loving kindness is giving us this opportunity to experience him fresh and new? He is sovereign. He is good. I, for one, the mom says, found her words very convicting. And I find them very convicting too. Now again, I don't want to downplay the very real fear, the grief, the anxiety we're feeling. We want to acknowledge that. We want to bring that to God. But at the same time, we want to see that we have a God who is calling us to come back and seek his kingdom. He goes on and he says, Fear not, little flock, for is not your father good's Father's good pleasing to give you this kingdom. That that God is trying to bring us good things even in the midst of the chaos of this life. It's the most beautiful thing that we can see as the church of Jesus Christ. Now, this week as your church, we've been seeking to be that place. We've been seeking to, to recreate church that we can bring you through video, through our youth group, which is having had live streaming this week, through our children's ministry, which you're going to hear from in just a minute. And as part of this online service, we're, we're, we're experiencing it through our incredible care ministry, which is available. If you need to talk, if you need someone to pray for you, you can, you can email us at the office and someone will call you. We'll reach out to you. Our care and our care ministers are here. I, I don't know if you know this is a church, but, but we have a lot of elderly people who are part of our church. So we had over 450 people over 60 years old who are in our database and our volunteers and, and some of our staff, but mostly our volunteers, some of whom we're usually ushering and greeting, they called every single one of them and they reached out to them and, and got a hold of all that we could and just said, hey, how you doing? Can we talk to you? Are you holding up? Can we pray for you? Do you need any groceries? And, and we're ministering in that way. We're starting to call throughout the church and other people and, and we've been encouraging you to do the same. One story I heard this week, it was about um, um, one of the, the ladies who had heard one of the podcasts earlier in the week where we had shared we were going to call all the seniors. And when she got her call from the volunteer, the volunteer said she was just so excited because she said, I, I watched your podcast. I know you don't watch a podcast, but she said, I watched your podcast and I heard you were going to call. And I've been waiting by my phone and it's just so good to talk to you. And so there's just all kinds of stuff like that that's going on. If you watch the news, you're going to see that there are many more people doing the right thing and good thing and loving thing in our communities than anybody who's doing anything foolish, irresponsible, or harmful. We, we put out on our page, for anybody who needs help, you can go to our church, jacobswellchurch.church, and you can click, hey, I need help, and, and we'll reach out and do all we can to help you. Uh, there's another one that says, hey, I want to I help. And so there's one that says, I want to help and I need help. And I got to tell you, we're like 20 to 1 of people who want to help as opposed to people who have asked for help. Now, we expect more people to need help, and we're going to continue to be ready But that's just the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom of God. There are more people spending time with their kids. There are more people praying. There are more people doing all the different things. At jacobswellchurch.church, there's tons of resources, right now media, for, for you to be more engaged spiritually than we've ever been before. Um, one of the, the podcasts that, that we've done, I've done one and, and we'll be sending on another one this week is about prayer, where it's not just a teaching on prayer, it's not just an admonition to prayer, it's actually an experience, particularly for anybody who's having anxiety right now, 
where you can actually listen to that. And I walk you through a guided experience of prayer that, that's just meant to center us. And, and there's, there's one for the evening. And I'm going to do one for the morning. And, 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 and you can use that to just center yourself regularly and routinely on the God who is with us and just remind our hearts what's going on. You see, God's antidote for anxiety is a shift of focus. Focusing on things we can't control as opposed to focusing on the one who's in control, which is God. His antidote to, 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 to anxiety is prayer. And so we as a church are going to be deeply engaged in prayer and, and doing the things we, we can do as the church to meet the needs in the community. It's interesting he ends this passage of scripture in this way. He talks about money bags that don't grow old. He says, sell your possession and give to the needy. And let me just say this about this. Uh, this is all about us recognizing that there's going to be a lot going on in the days to come. And some of us are going to be in need. Some of us are going to be people who have the ability to meet some needs. We as the church are going to have an unprecedented need just to help out those who maybe are, are not getting their hours or maybe have been laid off or having to pay for child care. There's opportunities for you as the church to use your resources just directly to help people within our community. I do want to warn you, there are a lot of scams out there, so be careful about what you support. But one of the best ways is just to help friends and family and those within your circles who just have needs. Look what he says about this. He says, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old. That's basically, say, an eternal investment with treasure in the heavens that do not fail where there is no, where, where, there, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And, and he goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so what he's saying is, listen, this is an opportunity for us to see the gods of busyness and status and wealth and all those things be thrown away. This is an opportunity for us to be the church. This is an opportunity for us to overcome. It would be very easy for us to embrace anxiety and fear, to focus on all the uncertainty while forgetting that what God has given us is he's given us today. And how we live today and the love we show today is just the, the great challenge that we as the church have to face right now. So let me give you some next steps, and then we're going to hear from the children's ministry. The first next day, step is just stay smart, okay? Again, it is not, it is not uh, giving into fear to stay inside, practice social distancing, Follow the hand-washing procedures, you know, um, just, just doing what our leaders are asking us to do. That's just smart, like driving the speed limit and taking care of your health. You know, a person who says, you know, I'm going to worry about my health because I got faith. I'm going to drive as fast as I got because I have faith. We'd all look at them. We'd say, well, you're abusing what it means to have faith. And so anybody who tells you to not follow the proper procedures because they have some kind of faith or something like that, is actually using the same kind of abusive thinking. So don't think that. Don't shame yourself, you know, if you're having anxiety or if you're having struggles. Just come back and use some of the prayer resources we have. Use the scripture. Um, engage in the, the Luke plan that we've been reading um, as well. I want to encourage you as a church to pray, okay? I want to encourage you to pray and um, you can pray it again through the podcast, uh, the announcement video. You're going to hear all about the podcast, how you can use them. We're creating some that are not teaching about how to prayer, pray, but it's actually the church coming together to pray 
at all different places and all different times. And God hears that in the most powerful way. The other thing you can do is that you can stay connected. So I really want to encourage you, church, um, to just stay connected, um, um, you know, uh, through uh, your social media, uh, with your friends, uh, through your small groups, uh, through reaching out to those people who know you and love you and you love them. And all of that will work together in a powerful way. One of the best ways to overcome anxiety is to reach out. Again, I've had several of my good friends just call me this week and just say, I just need to tell somebody I'm, I'm kind of afraid. I'm, I'm kind of anxious. I'm, I'm really having a tough time with this. And, and just to begin to talk about it and express it. It's amazing how many people, you know, you don't have to have any answers because we don't have a lot of answers. But instead, how many times just sharing it just kind of decompresses our fears, and allows us just to give it back to God. And so I want to just challenge you um, to stay connected. I want to challenge you to keep using the tools. So gather your family up for worship services. Use the youth group resources that are going to be coming out, the the care resources, the children's ministry, the prayer podcasts. Um, um, If you're a small group leader, you've received information about how you can make your group virtual Go through the motions, do that, stay connected. It will be worth it. I just want to take a minute just to express how grateful I am for our staff and our team. They're working so hard to just keep you connected to Christ, to each other. And our children's ministry is just a great example of that. So grateful for Roxanne and Erica and that whole team. Um, I want to also take this opportunity for us as a church to pray. So will you pray with me? Father, we take a moment right now, and we just want to confess, honestly, openly, that we have been afraid, that we've been hearing some anxiety, and we just admit that, and we're honest about that, and we know that you just, you just are okay with that. But Father, we want to take that anxiety, and we just want to bring it to you, and we want to ask you to shift our focus from what we can't control to what we can, and we just give you everything on our heart and our mind. We pray for our bodies, that we don't want them to get sick. We pray for those who have gotten sick. We pray for your healing. We pray for the end of this virus through your miraculous hand or through the the giftedness of the scientists and the different people working to find a cure. We pray, Father God, that you will help us be people of hope, people of encouragement. We pray for our kids, that they would look, and this would not be a time of trauma. This would be a time of faith building for them because they would know that God is with us and he gets us through tough times. Father, I just pray that you will help us as a people to just trust in you. We pray for our president. We pray for our governor. We pray for all our elected leaders, all of our our, our public employees and our doctors and our police officers and just everybody. We just pray, Father God, that you will just help us as a people be a people of faith who is honest about scary stuff, anxiety, but also just brings it back to you. We thank you, Father, and we are so grateful that you are with us and, um, and that you're calling us to be people of the kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.